0: Hey, everybody. Hey. Hello. Hey, so we're going to be uh, continuing in Romans tonight. We're in Romans 4. Yay. Um, can somebody open us up in prayer? So we've got a lot to cover.
1: Thank you, Lord, that uh, we have this uh, group that uh, we can get together and hear your word. And uh, just give you thanks, Lord, for uh, giving us these uh, teachers uh, that teach so well. Thank you, Lord, for. Um, Uh, having a place for us to uh, meet uh, the study center and uh, just thank you Lord that uh, we we have a a group of loving people that want to show your love and um, we just give you thanks Lord for being you, thank you Lord for paying our sin debt Uh, thank you so much Father you want to grow our faith we all have faith in something you want us to
2: put it in you uh, and so I pray that as we as we get into your word today, that we would um, hear from you. God, mm-hmm. you're the author, the perfecter of our faith. And so I pray that you uh, you mm-hmm. would speak to our hearts. You speak to my heart. And, um, I would be ready to listen. Because mm-hmm. I don't know you, you want to mm-hmm. speak to me. Uh, and so I pray you would make me ready to hear and make me ready to respond. Because um, you want to change my heart through faith. Mm-hmm. And so I pray that you have
0: Mm-hmm. thank you God that you are a God that we can believe and trust um, I, I, I pray that your message will just be going out really clearly tonight and um, I just pray Lord that if anyone here has any questions about you, what you have to say tonight that they would feel confident in knowing that they can come to you with um, any questions or doubts that they might have I pray all this in Jesus' name Amen Okay, so last week we did Romans 3, obviously, comes before Romans 4, where Paul made his great declaration, uh, his great claim of justification or righteousness by faith in Christ alone. Craig walked us through the entire chapter, um, the sum of which is that we all fall short of righteousness by the works of the law. Um, Paul, in the first three chapters, has been driving this... Desperation point home pretty strongly. Um, now in chapter four, um, Paul calls a witness to support those statements that he's been making. Actually, two witnesses. And look at the two that he's chosen: Abraham, the father of the Jews, and David, the greatest historical king of the Jews. Paul devotes this section to a whole case study of Abraham. And that's what we're going to be spending our time on tonight, too. Um, how was Abraham saved? When was he saved? What were the elements of Abraham saving faith? And he dissects this whole issue of faith in our relationship with God. And it's a crucial issue. By the way, just as an aside, if you've ever wondered or ever had anyone ask you, how did people in the Old Testament get to heaven? The answer's here in Romans 4. Mm-hmm. So let's dig in. Could somebody, uh, who wants to be my Romans reader? Or, you know what? I don't need one. Anybody can do it. Somebody want to read that. Verses 1 through 3.
3: What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, discovered in this matter? If, in fact, Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness.
0: Okay, so a little context. Paul is speaking to a diverse group here. It's made up of both Gentiles who may or may not have any knowledge of Abraham. But he's also speaking to a much tougher group. That is the Jews who knew the Old Testament scriptures, or at least thought they did. He's showing them that he's not really telling them anything new. Everything he's been telling them so far is backed up by scripture. So he turns to Abraham to prove this point. So let's look at verse three again. What does Scripture say about Abraham? Well, it says that he was so good that God credited to him his righteousness. Right? No. no, 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 it doesn't. It says that he kept the law so well that God credited to him his righteousness. Yes? No. 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 Of course not. You're right, you're right Terry. Paul quotes Genesis fifteen six here. It was the fact that Abraham believed God. It was his faith in God that was credited to him as righteousness. This is the righteousness apart from the law that we heard about last week. So Paul's explaining to his listeners that the Christian message, this idea of imputed righteousness, the message that we either try to establish our righteousness by our own works, or we accept this gift of righteousness, well, this idea is not contrary to scripture. It's the Christian message, and it's also the Jewish message. This same message is in the Old Testament in many places. You can find it throughout Psalms and in Hosea and many other places. It's the same message. God is concerned with the heart attitude we have toward Him. Faith or belief means that God wants us to trust Him. And notice here that Abraham, it doesn't say that Abraham believed in God, Abraham believed God. So saving faith is not believing God is there. And it's also not believing in a God who saves. It is believing God when he promises a way of salvation by grace. You know, people can have lots and lots of strong faith that God exists, that he's loving, that he's holy. We can believe the Bible. We can believe that it's God's holy word. We can show great reverence for God. Yet all the while, we can still be trying to be our own savior and justifier by trusting in our own performance In maybe religious matters or in good moral character, maybe in our jobs, maybe in our parenting. So in verse 3, Paul says that Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness. That word credited, I don't know, did I get that? Oh, yeah. That word credited, credited, credited (laughs) is an extremely important word for this whole chapter. It comes up in Ten verses in this chapter, the Greek word is logizomai or something like that. And it's an accounting term, and it means to count as. So one example I read was, like, think about if you're purchasing a house on land contract. You're paying rent, but if you decide to buy, then those payments are credited as mortgage payments. They're granted a new status. Um, one other thing that came to mind that I thought of when I was preparing for this is a few weeks ago I was at the um, doing this jail ministry thing with Rahab, and we were talking to these women and one of them we were talking about grace and one of them said oh so that's like going in front of the judge and the judge says um, you don't have to serve your sentence you're guilty but you don't have to serve your sentence and it is that but it's more than that it's the judge saying. I'm going to serve your sentence for you. There was a sin here. There was a crime here. I'm going to serve your sentence for you. Furthermore, it's not going to be counted against you. It will not show up on your record. Anything, past, present, future. It's not going to show up on your record. Okay. So it's not merely that faith results in righteousness. It's something much more. It's faith counted as righteousness. It means God treated Abraham as though he were living a righteous life. Um, And maybe a simpler way of saying it is this Abraham was not himself righteous, perfect, and blameless, but God treated him as if he were. Uh, Just think about the implications for us here. It is possible to be loved and accepted by God while we ourselves are sinful and imperfect. I know we know that, like we've heard that, we know that, but do you get that? I mean, do we get that? So if we believe that, we'll have no trouble facing or admitting our shortcomings, our sin issues, our failures. God is telling us, yeah, you're messed up, but I love you anyway. So going on, Paul employs an analogy of a working person getting a paycheck. Can someone read verses 4 and 5?
2: Now to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work, but trusts God who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness.
0: Okay, again, Paul is saying either we work for it or we don't. It's a very clear distinction. Um, If we include works as a requirement that nullifies grace, grace has to be undeserved or it's not grace. But this is how many people approach God. I do good things and God pays me with heaven. I mean, think about it. With that mentality, then what we are in effect saying is that God owes us something. God owes us something. That's crazy. Well, I know you're going, so yeah, you're thinking, Yeah, yeah, I know, I got it. I've heard all this stuff before, I understand this, but do we so in his book, Evangelism Exploding, um, D. James Kennedy poses this question. Suppose you were to die tonight and stand before God, and he were to say to you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? Well, the first answer is because the most common answer is because I have tried my best to be a good Christian, which is salvation by works. Okay. Um, you've told me you got that. You know that's not right. Second, but there are two other responses to this question that are fairly common, and they're a little trickier. Second one is, because I believe in God and try to do his will. That's salvation by faith plus works. That's, in effect, saying God's grace is not sufficient. Third response is, because I believe in God with all my heart. That is salvation by faith as a work this is a, a lie. little right and
2: it's a lie
0: too it's a lie it is a lie because why terry because the power is not in our faith but in the one we have faith in the power is not in our faith it's in the one we have faith in um, oh and by the way i'm sure you all know this but the correct answer to that question is because of what jesus has done mm-hmm. all right if faith equals obedience we are placing our faith in ourselves and our abilities, and this can lead to boasting or pride, or if we fail, it can lead to self-hatred or despair. But if faith equals trust in God's promise to save, then we're placing our faith in God and his ability, and that leads to humility and obedience. We're all agreed then, right? Justification is not through works. Are you with me this far?
4: Okay.
0: Okay. Well, what about this then? Does anyone want to read that?
4: As the the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead.
0: All right, James 2.26. It seems to contradict, but what James is talking about here are works that are the result of faith. Faith is an attitude of the heart. People can see our works. They can't see our faith. All we see is the outworking of our faith. God sees the attitude. And really, if works are done to earn salvation, who does that glorify? Mm-hmm. Is that done out of love for God or love for ourselves? A Christian is someone who stops working, that is no longer trusts in obedience as a way to be saved and trusts that God has a way to save apart from our own efforts. So also in verse five, we see this shocking statement God justifies the ungodly. Shocking. If you guys were at CT last week, you heard Ian talk about this. He was talking about offensive grace, and he was talking about the fact that it is quite possible that Jeffrey Dahmer got saved before he was executed, and Jeffrey Dahmer is now in heaven. Now, I don't know if you find that shocking or offensive. I do a little bit. I kind of get why people would find that. Well, I'm going to tell you, here's something even more shocking. He's not talking about Jeffrey Dahmer. Mm -hmm. He's talking about all of us. Mm -hmm. All right. Then we move on in verses 6 through 8 to David.
2: David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the one uh, to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them.
0: Paul quotes from Psalm 32 here. David made this really heartfelt statement right after the Bathsheba event, and he was in some pretty terrible sin, and he was feeling the gratitude we should all be feeling when we consider God's grace. Um, Paul's explaining here that David is expressing his gratitude for God's grace. Obviously, apart from his works. Um, And his use of David here is pretty strategic. David would have been right behind Abraham in terms of Jewish heroes. And David is a prime example of the forgiven sinner in the Old Testament. So next, Paul moves on to the question of circumcision or righteousness by circumcision. Is this blessedness only for the
5: circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? We have been saying that Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness. Under what circumstances was it credited? Was it after he was circumcised or before? It was not after, but before. And he received circumcision as a sign, a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. So then he is the father of all who believe, but have not been circumcised, in order that righteousness might be credited to them. And he is then also the father of the circumcised, who not only are circumcised, but who also follow in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. It's a lot of circumcision. Oh, Paul. (laughs)
0: That's what I'm just saying. (laughs) All right, so Paul again turns to Abraham for discussion of blessedness for the circumcised. The Jews saw circumcision as a sign of um, membership in the Jewish nation. It was a religious and a cultural symbol um, of belonging to God and of solidarity with the Hebrew nation. Um, What he's saying here is that if Abraham's righteousness was credited after he was circumcised, then it could be said that his righteousness was based on the act of circumcision. But in fact, as Paul says in verses nine and 10, it was not after but before his circumcision. Um, Abraham was already credited as righteous in Genesis fifteen six, but he didn't get circumcised until Genesis 17. So circumcision was not a condition of him being credited as righteous. It was, as Paul says in verse 11, a sign, a seal of what he already was by faith alone. So in verses 11, 12, 11 and 12, Paul reasons if Abraham was saved by faith Without circumcision, then uncircumcised non Jewish people will also be saved by the same faith without circumcision. Mm -hmm. I've heard circumcision compared to the practice of infant baptism that some churches believe in. And in fact, if you ask some people, Are you a Christian? they will say, Yes, I was baptized as an infant. So, but saving faith is not this ritual, it's not a ritual like baptism or confirmation. God's looking for a personal relationship with us. We get baptized as a symbol, a sign, or a seal uh, of who we are, not to make us who we are. In our next verses, Paul again contrasts two models of faith.
2: It was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would... The heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. For if those who depend on the law are heirs, faith means nothing, and the promise is worthless. Because the law brings wrath, and where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, the promise came by, comes by faith, so that it may be by grace, and may be guaranteed to all of Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God, in whom he believed. The God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things like <clears> that <throat> are
0: not. So here Paul again returns to this theme of where the righteousness is obtained through the law. Uh, in verse 13, he says quite clearly that it was not through the law that Abraham was given the promise that he would be heir of the world, but through the righteousness imputed by faith. <coughs> How could it be through the law? He says the law was given to, by God to Moses, right, Terry, 500 years after Abraham lived. So how was he saved? Through trust in the promises of God. But there's more. In verses 14, 15, in these verses, Paul is telling us that the law, in fact, cannot be the route to salvation. He already showed us in chapters 2 and 3 that no one keeps the law the law can only show us where we fall short which i think is what paul is saying at the end of 415 where he says where there is no law there is no transgression i don't think he's not saying that if someone doesn't know the law they can't be guilty of sin but this idea of transgression transgression that word carries the meaning of a deliberate knowing overstepping mm-hmm. of a lawful boundary so paul has now made his argument and reaches his therefore statement in verse 16 therefore the promise comes and can only come by grace through faith faith is not works faith is not ritual faith is not law these are the things that he's gone over so far well for us there's more faith is also not mental assent So going back um, to James, in 2.19, we read this.
5: You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder.
0: So even Satan believes in God. Even Satan believes in Jesus Christ. Probably even more than we do, which is kind of a strange and scary thought. But he knows they're real. So it must be possible to know these things and it still not be enough. God's not looking for mental ascent. He's looking for faith, which includes active trust, something Satan doesn't have. It's possible to believe something and still not have faith in it. All right, I'm going to try this. I'm not very good with stories, but I'm going to try this. Uh, Some of you guys know this this good, it's a really good illustration of this idea. Uh, There's a guy crossing uh, the falls on a tightrope. Who knows Mm -hmm. that story? Nobody? All right. Then you won't know if I get it wrong. Oh, you'll know. Okay. So there's a guy, there's a guy crossing Niagara Falls on a tightrope. And he's got an audience. or are people watching. him. And he successfully makes it across the falls on a tightrope. And he comes back. And then he says, how many of you think I can take a wheelbarrow over on a tightrope? And everybody's like, yeah, we do. So he takes the wheelbarrow over the tightrope. And he makes it. And then he comes back and he says, how many of you think I can take 100 pounds of bricks over on the t- in the wheelbarrow on the tightrope? And everybody's like, yeah, I do, I know. So he does not and, he, and he's successful and he makes it. And he comes back and he says, how many of you think I could take a person over in the wheelbarrow? And everybody's like, yeah, I do. And then he says, who wants to get in the wheelbarrow? And everybody takes a step back. <laughs> <laughs> nah. Yeah, so that's like, no, nah, that's not active faith. That's like, yeah, we believe you can do it, but not for me so much. Okay, so... Uh, faith is, faith is, uh, faith is active trust. Faith is also, it's not mental assent. It's also not a feeling. It's not this feeling of confidence. It's a faith in who God is and in his love for us. It's not saying, I know God will answer this prayer. Um, It is true that God will answer this prayer, but oftentimes what we mean when we say that is I know God will answer this prayer the way I want this prayer to be answered. Mm -hmm. So faith is trusting God's love for us and being grateful for however he answers that prayer and trusting that he wants what is best for us always. Is it okay to doubt? Sure, it's okay to doubt. Take those doubts to the Lord. So faith is also not positive or wishful thinking. Um, this is Disney movies, this is everything, everything on social media right now, right? If I believe it, it will come true. Biblical faith is not so much that you have faith, but what you have your faith in. Is the object of our faith going to be reliable? Faith is also not believing things you know are not true. People have strange ideas. That's funny to say that. But people have strange ideas about what faith is. Faith is like, yeah, right? You're nodding. I know, it is. You hear that from people like, "I just have faith. I don't think it's true, but I'm just going to have faith that it is." What?
1: It's kind of like uh, the modern Christian movement almost. Faith, they're defining faith as like, oh, we have to, be, like, I don't understand what's going on, but I, I know God's in control. Just like, oh, he's got a plan. He's got a plan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's God's the is oh, plan. right. God's everything. You know, I, it's like, because people are just like, oh, I don't know if it's true or not, but I have to believe and It's, like, as,
0: that's not faith. it's yeah. almost like our, that, whatever that thing is that we're calling faith, we're counting on that to shape our reality, which is crazy, kind of crazy. Anyway, so Paul concludes his case study of Abraham in verses 17 through 25.
1: As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God and whom he believed. A God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Against all hope, Abraham and hope believed, and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offers. speak. So shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and given glory to God, or and gave gl- glory to God. Being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised, this is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness. For for us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification.
0: All right. So um, Paul presents Abraham as a case of uh, real living faith for us to follow as his children, as his offspring. Some things to consider from this passage uh, believing God is knowing that that reality is greater than how we feel or how things appear. Um, Abraham faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. that's how things looked, how they appeared, that he was, but he also knew he also knew some things about God too. Um, that doesn't mean that faith is opposed to reason, but it, it is sometimes opposed to feeling and feelings and appearances. Um, Abraham looked at his body and it looked hopeless. So I just um, I just want here's a, just a brief side note on faith and reason. If it is the truthfulness or the validity of God's word, that you find yourself doubting or that you have questions about, please ask someone. And believe me, there is not a person in this room who wouldn't rather hear that from you than hear you say, yeah, cool, I'm going to go get some tacos now. So, yeah, right? I mean, if you have... Because most of us have been there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. You're going to have doubts. But... Biblical faith is not opposed to reason. So if you have questions, please bring them up. Um, Biblical faith is not simply an optimism about life in general, and it's not believing in ourselves. In fact, it's the opposite. Faith is going on despite our weakness, despite our feelings and uh, perceptions. Mm -hmm. Believing in God requires focusing on facts about God. We see this in verses 20 and 21. Abraham was fully persuaded that God had power. Um, Tim Keller says it this way, Christian faith is a profound insistence on acting out of measured reflection instead of just reacting to circumstances. Abraham pondered and considered the power of God. So we can imagine him reasoning this way, if there is a creator, and I know there is, He must have all power. There can be no limit to it. It is ridiculous for me to think God can't do what he has promised. So faith is thinking about God, focusing on facts about him. God is saying, trust me, you're my creation, and I love you, so trust me. Mm -hmm. Believing God also means trusting the word of God, trusting his promises. It's looking at what God has said and letting that define reality for us. Um, Abraham, our spiritual father, shows us the way to strengthen our faith. Get to know a lot more about God. Abraham was able to overcome his sense of weakness by reasoning things on the basis of what he knew about God. Um, Another way to strengthen our faith is to act on God's promises and word, even when it's hard. Faith is a willingness to act based on God's truth. That might be, go out and reconcile. That might be, go forgive. That might be, go do this service ministry you're feeling ill-equipped to handle. Are you going to, are we going to trust God with these things? But here's the problem. Anytime we start talking about actions, it's so easy to get back into this faith equals works paradigm. So the important uh, element here in our actions is Dependence on God. That's a crucial element. We act trusting that God will keep His promises. Um, I've often heard people say, and I've said myself often, I'm just resting in the Lord. Well, which is a good place to be. It's good. But what I often mean by that is, do anything. <laughs> you know that, that's not what resting in the Lord means because God may be calling us to take a step of faith. Um, it means we rest from that exhausting uh, unpleasant work of trying to earn our way to heaven. We rest from the desire to prove our righteousness to God over and over again. It doesn't mean that if God is calling on, on us to do something to take that step of faith that uh, you know to get into that wheelbarrow, uh, that we just sit back and expect blessings. We act trusting that God will keep his promises. If all this is a little too abstract, let's look at this. Can somebody read that?
3: Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and be with that person and they with me.
0: Alright, Revelation 3.20. There's an action component. We open the door not knowing what's gonna what that's going to look like. So, There's an action component if you are not yet a believer. It's not enough to say, I believe there is a God. It's not enough to say, I believe Jesus existed. God wants you to open the door to a personal saving relationship with him, to just tell him, yes, I trust you, I believe you when you say you died for my sins and that the only way to righteousness is through you. I accept your free gift of grace. Get into the wheelbarrow. There's also an action component. If you are a believer who wants to grow, and next week I think we're going to talk more about that, but just for now, know that our steps of faith don't have to be huge. Often they're not. It could just be, Lord, I don't know if I can commit my life to you right now, but I can give you one night a week to Bible study. I can give you one, one hour a week to Bible study. In Luke um, 16.10, we read that Jesus said, Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. So take those little steps of faith. Abraham's life also reminds us what a real life of faith looks like. It's not perfect. At different times, we know that Abraham questioned God about his promises. He lied about who his wife was. He even tried to bring God's promise to fruition himself by sleeping with his wife's servant. Um, Abraham's obedience wasn't perfect. His trust fluctuated, but his faith was never extinguished. And importantly, he was able to look at a mistake and say, this has reminded me that my only hope is to trust in God's promise and to trust in God to fulfill that promise. A life of faith sees struggles and failures, but we can use those struggles and failures as a way of increasing our attachment to God. So what does saving biblical faith look like for us? Paul says it clearly in verses 23-24. To believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead and to trust God's promise that his son's death and resurrection was for our justification. Abraham's faith was in the promise of a descendant. Our faith is in what God says one of his descendants has achieved, Jesus Christ. So that's it. That's all I got. That's the end of our chapter. I do have some questions for us to either think about, um, take home with us, think about, or talk about, or whatever you want to do, but here they are. Do you know what, we talked a lot about here about what God's, God's promises, do you guys, do you know what God's promises are? I Do a study on it, it's a very cool study. Like, um, what steps of faith are you unresolved about? What are you afraid about? Are there areas of your life where you're not trusting God? Big questions, so I don't expect like answers anything but just things to think about.
6: You know. It's interesting that you brought up Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> uh, well only because there are so many times I've had conversations with different people about being <clears throat> and works versus faith. <clears throat> um, one of the biggest things that I always tell people is Jesus' crucifixion. Jesus' crucifixion, there were two criminals One on each side. One of them was making fun of him, and the other one asked for forgiveness. What could he have possibly done to work his way to heaven? There you go. So either Christ is a liar, or he is the only way to heaven, because he told that criminal, "You now have a place in my father's house this day." That's he couldn't do anything except ask for forgiveness. That was it. But the Jeffrey Dahmer thing was, is um, he's a killer. Most everybody in the Old Testament was. <laughs> Even Paul, who wrote a crap ton of books. Yeah. Go back to your James, James 2.10 says, we are all guilty. You know, if we commit one sin, we are guilty. Yeah. What sin is worse than another? They're not. They're all the same. So rather we stole something or killed somebody, we're still guilty. Yeah. So it's not up to us to forgive. It's God's choice to forgive. Mm-hmm. Period.
0: You're right. That's but that is a tough concept. Like to get like if we really want to think we can earn this somehow. We,
6: we think we're better because of dot dot dot. Yeah. But we're not.
0: Yeah. I mean I've you've, I've even heard I mean People say things like that. Well, I'm not as bad as.
6: But you are just you're you're um, <clears throat> you're saying you're not as bad as this person. So this person here is your judgment for the world. Well, no, right. that's Christ.
0: Right. Who's up here? Right. What are you measuring yourself against? So,
6: and you know what, you might be better than that person, but that's not the. Yeah. That's not what you're supposed to be measuring yourself to. You're supposed to be measuring yourself to Christ.
0: I think of, like, um, let's say you were uh, driving down the road and you got a speeding ticket in a school zone. You were going really fast. Whatever, it doesn't matter. You got a speeding ticket. You go to court, though, and or you have to go to traffic court, but you say to the judge, yeah, but... I've been driving for, you know, 20 years and I never got a speeding ticket. That doesn't mean that that speeding ticket is in it. You still get the speeding. You still mm-hmm. you still did the crime. You still did the thing. It doesn't matter, or, I mean, whatever it is. You, it doesn't matter that you were, like, did all these good things, like, never sped, never was speeding in the school zone before, but you did the thing. Yeah.
1: Like, I uh, kind of go on top of that, too. Like, um, you know, when people say, like, oh, I'm better than this person. I mean, it's like, okay, so... How many sins do you think that first committed? Is that, so that's the lie If you commit fifty sins <laughs> in your lifetime, like it's just like the more you like stretch it out, you realize okay, you're just being more and more. At, or uh, what's the word? I'm uh, Hypocritical. No. Um, it's kind of putting you
0: in the
1: position of
6: being
5: God. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just like uh, the line is.
1: you can never really know. Be like okay, or uh, why, is why is fifty? Why is fifty the right number? Or why is 100 a hundred sins the right number? You right. Like, what are you basing that on? It's just like there's no your your measuring stick is based on a uh, a finite viewpoint, like, Yeah. you know. So every it's just uh, or how uh, put it best, call I was talking about. It, it was just like um, you don't have any authority of anyone else to make that call. Well, it's just saying like why why does God ever um, you know why God, why would God make that the measuring stick or you know like, why is this. Person 51 sins now, not arbitrary good enough for that God arbitrary
0: sins. measuring stick. Yeah, just like good work. enough to go to
1: heaven. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh my gosh, I this, it'll come to you. you know, <laughs> it basically just brings out that oh, God is actually not very merciful because God, yeah, arbitrary because God is setting this arbitrary point, number, and so it's like, and you're doing that when you're saying, Oh, I'm better than this person, you're setting an arbitrary. Measuring point, point. Mm-hmm. and what that does is now that makes God unloving, because why would God set this arbitrary point?
0: Right, and, that's uh, an unloving God for sure. Right. So yeah, what
1: what makes that arbitrary point justified? You know, mm-hmm. and uh, but the point the there is no, but God makes it clear there is no arbitrary point. It is perfection that you need. Mm-hmm. God does not accept any kind of. Evil. You know, he yeah. has to judge any kind of evil
0: that he has And that's die. our measuring stick. So we're, right? So the measuring, yeah. the measuring stick is, is perfection.
1: Impossible. It's just completely yeah. impossible. Mm-hmm. We, were, we were born yeah perfect. Yeah. 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 You mean that? I, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, like, and that's probably, like, that's great because now God's saying, I, and I know no one can meet the standard, so that's why I came and sent my son's attachment.
5: me. Yeah. But for people that don't know the Lord, it's a very hard concept. Sure. So I was just, I just had lunch with my friend Rana today and, <clears throat> you know, I was sharing some things with her about our current live-in, you know, and how that was going, and, you know, and I, I, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, well, I'm sure you're going to heaven with as many times as much as you've done for other people. And I'm like, mm-hmm. but... I'm not, that's not true, you know, so it was a, it was a good conversation, yeah. but the, the blinders came up, you know, because it was like, I'm, I was actually sure I was going to heaven before I let anybody move <laughs> in with me, but um, the thing I was thinking about as I was listening to you teach, because I, and I don't, I'm pretty sure I'm not alone, but as we take these steps of faith, it's, it is, we got to remember that we have an enemy, Right, and he will fight us because yes. mm-hmm. he does not want our trust no. in the Lord to grow. He wants to chew us up and spit us out, right? Because the more trust in the Lord grows, the more strength we get, you know, from the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so it's good to, when you take those steps of faith. I mean, Melanie's not here, but I just love how she's she's really becoming a prayer warrior. You know, mm-hmm. she's like, you just got to pray through it. You got pray. and yeah. she's right. Yep.
0: You know, because we have a we have a prowling lion that wants to take us down. So, yeah. Yeah. That whole idea of, of well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. I don't know where I was going with that, but
6: yeah. Uh, you had talked about James, mm-hmm. he talks about his works without faith is dead. Yeah but he actually says I will show you my faith by my works mm-hmm. you know so he's not exactly. saying you have to do the works but you do it because yeah. you believe God mm-hmm.
0: yeah. yeah and that's a heart attitude Yes, that's not a a, 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 a works a, a salvation by works attitude. That's a heart attitude. I do this I do this because I love God. I do this because I want to glorify God. I do this to serve God. I do this That's I do this because this is what he asked me to I do this out of obedience right So
6: you, know. you don't have to but I do it because he asked me do it And what version were you using up there by the way? Was that like For James? No. um, uh, Oh, NIV. Romans. NIV. The NIV. Because the NLT actually says right after that, um, Romans 4, uh, 3, the scriptures tell us Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith.
0: Oh, really? Yes. Huh.
6: The NLT does. I don't know about yeah.
0: the NIV, but Okay, well, yeah. that just makes it a little even clearer. <laughs> right? Yeah.
6: <laughs> I was, thought you might have actually not put the whole verse up there. I was oh, like, yeah. You no. do it.
0: Yeah. No. I like that. <laughs> it right? makes it even clearer. Yeah. Because of his faith.
4: Um, I know, I I also like the James points that you mm-hmm. brought together. I, I know that. Um, I love the the James 2.19 even the demons believe in God and shudder Um, and that just reminded me of uh, it's Hebrews 11.6 and it it says and without faith it is impossible to please him for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him and it's I think it just shares, like, that tenderness of who God is, is that, like, this faith is not just, like, it is on those promises that God is a rewarder, and that um, the demons don't <clears throat> believe that. They believe that God is holding out on us. Yeah. And uh, that that is right after that is the, the faith without works is dead, where it's like, this is not... Out of fear or out of like what John was saying this is because of what type of God that we have and like the fact we can please him like he yeah. looks and he delights when we take these steps of faith even when we're doubting but we're choosing to trust him God I think that's just like a, a really cool part about that that can be really easy to forget especially when you get so caught up in these works or like okay I'm going to do this out of obedience because God asks me to but no God wants to reward you and that's not just like a like a bribe or something like that but because he loves us and wants good things for us so
0: I was thinking so what that started to say so when we were talking to those women at the jail mm-hmm. it was not only that you it's not only that the judge says I'm going to serve your sentence for you and it's not going to count against you but you get to go free and have a joyful peaceful life there's also that part of it too mm-hmm. that's that's what you that's what God wants mm-hmm. for us yeah mm-hmm. so, yeah very sweet Anything else? Any announcements? We didn't do that, did we? Uh, I don't There's think so.
4: Prayers at four. Prayers at four? Oh, four.
0: Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, thanks Prayer
3: you guys. On Saturday.
0: Somebody want to pray us down here? and mm-hmm. then There's a
3: Father-daughter dance tomorrow. Oh, father-daughter. Do- are you going? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you? Uh-huh. Eric's going? I mean, Craig... Yeah, yeah. Craig, yes, Craig. Craig's a
0: father. Yes, Craig, who else? Uh, With, daughters. With daughters. Oh, you don't know yet, Evan, right? <coughs> no, we uh, find out on, on Monday. No, we find out Monday, i sorry. What type of
5: baby? What type? And, what and whether or not uh, it's a girl, I won't be able to dance yeah, you. can't bring so it. Well, early. I mean. Look at the Very cute.
6: Well, have fun, you guys. <coughs> that should be taking just one daughter <coughs> <a time>. or both daughters. Oh, yeah, very
0: yeah. cool. Nice. Mm-hmm. Well, God, thanks for this opportunity to study your Word tonight, uh, or this week, to, to, for this teaching tonight. I, um, I always stress about this, Lord. You know, I do. But <coughs> I'm always so grateful to be able to um, get into your Word and mm-hmm. see what it is that you have to say to me, and to share what I've learned with other people
5: yeah Lord, I'm really grateful that you, that you justified Abraham by faith um, you know I've been chewing really on this uh, teaching that we've been studying in cell group and, and thinking about that mountain where you came down and gave that Moses to law uh, gave that lot of Moses and how you were like, don't even let the people come near the mountain or touch the mountain, or they will die. And it's just so striking to me how you're that you're still that you're that kind of God. Like we cannot ever even think about approaching you. I can't on my own, or I will surely die because you are so good and so holy. Um, so I'm really grateful that if. nothing to do with that. It has nothing to do with your law. It has nothing to do with my own righteousness or perceived righteousness, but it has everything to do with you. So just thank you for that, Lord. Yeah,
3: God, I I do uh, thank you for this passage. I love the way Paul laid out the argument and appeals to, Mm -hmm. you know, people who have a background in the Jewish faith and he uses these examples like, you know, similar to what Lindsay was saying in Hebrews eleven. I just think that's so sweet that, um, you know, you provide so much evidence for who you are and what your plan has been all along. That it's like, oh my God, it's been there for thousands of years. Um, you know, you were planning this before we were even here. Um, how to rescue us? So I, I just think that's so sweet, so encouraging. It, it you know, there's evidence um, for it that it's real, that it makes sense. Yeah. um that it's trustworthy people have followed in um on this path they followed you for for thousands of years and and had the same result that it leads to life and you know when we try to do things ourselves it leads to death so um you know on the one hand i was like thinking how could jewish people mila asked me this one time why don't jewish people believe in jesus and i'm like i don't know it's pretty dumb <laughs> cuz you read this passage and it's like duh um, but then, in the same regard, um, you know, I ignore things about you all the time that are really, really obvious and evident. And I live life on my own all the time as if you weren't there. Um, so I, I should just uh, stay in my lane, um, I guess. Uh, yeah, pray for those people, I guess. So I, I think it's sweet, Lord, that uh, you give so much evidence. You give these um, examples of what what faith looks like and and what you want and the people are imperfect and kind of hilariously so so i thank you for that lord because that's the way that i am also and i can identify with that so thank you uh for for this passage for angie taking the time to uh, teach it to us tonight
4: amen